Welcome to Hakol Radio's Top 3 segment, where we discuss the top three news stories of the day. Hakol Radio, powered by the Muncie Mavasser and broadcasting live from Schlerko Studios in Muncie, New York. Number 1 Israeli tanks and aircraft targeted locations in southern and central Gaza on Sunday, January 14th marking the 100th day since the October 7th attack by Hamas, which left over 1,200 people dead, Rahman al-Zlan, and another 240 taken hostage. Fierce gun, gun battles erupted in some areas, particularly in the southern city of Khan Yunus, where Hamas claimed its fighters hit an Israeli tank. Clashes also occurred in Al-Burej and Al-Megazi in central Gaza, resulting in several terrorists killed, according to the IDF. With all communications and internet services down in Gaza for the third consecutive day, the Hamas-led Gaza Health Ministry is claiming that the emergency and ambulance crews are facing tremendous challenges in assisting affected areas. Abu Ubaidah, the spokesperson for Hamas's armed wing, stated on Sunday, January 14th, that the fate of many Israeli hostages captured on October 7th is now unknown. In his first televised appearance in weeks, he suggested that many hostages, quote, may have been killed placing the blame on Israel for their uncertain fate. However, Israel claims that forensic analysis on the recovered bodies of hostages so far display a whole other story, namely that they have been murdered directly by terrorists and not from buildings collapsing on them or bomb fragments as Hamas has been claiming. Hamas released a new propaganda video featuring three hostages held in the Gaza Strip. The edited clip, the edited clip showcased Noah Argamani, Yossi Sharabi and Itai Svirsky identifying themselves and appealing to the Israeli government for their return. The exact time frame of the video recordings is not specified, and the video concludes with a caption displayed in Arabic, Hebrew, and English, stating, quote, Tomorrow we will inform you of their fate. Hashem Yishmar. More than half of the buildings in Gaza have suffered irreparable damage or destruction due to Israeli strikes in the 100 days following the October 7th Hamas terrorist attack on Israel. This is according to a recent analysis of satellite data. The, anal the analysis reveals that the north of Gaza is the most heavily affected, with 70 to 80% of buildings heavily damaged or destroyed. The IDF released a comprehensive data set on its operations in the Gaza Strip, the West Bank, and Lebanon, marking 100 days of conflict against the Palestinian terror group Hamas. The data indicates that over 9,000 Hamas operatives and members of other terror groups have been killed by the IDF in Gaza since the war's onset. An additional 1,500 terrorists were killed inside Israel on October 7th, 2023. And according to anonymous Israeli sources, a large portion of the, quote, civilians killed in Gaza who were of military age were identified as Hamas members or supporters, though their numbers are not added to the 9,000. The IDF's information includes the killing of two Hamas brigade commanders, 19 battalion commanders, and other senior officials. More than 50 Hamas company commanders and operatives of similar rank have also been killed. In Lebanon, the IDF reports having killed over 170 terrorists, primarily members of the Iranian-backed Hezbollah terror group. The data reveals that over 30,000 targets have been struck in the Gaza Strip during the conflict, including more than 3,400 identified as major Hamas sites. In Lebanon, the IDF has hit approximately 750 Hezbollah positions. In Israel proper, an Israeli woman in her 70s, Rahman al-Islam, was killed on Monday, January 15th, and at least 17 
Other people were wounded in a combined car ramming and stabbing attack in the central city of Ranana on Monday morning, January 15th. Israeli forces arrested two suspects following a manhunt. Police said the terrorists were residents of Bani Naim near Hebron. The two terrorists were employed at a car wash in Ranana's industrial area without a valid working work permit. Both were reportedly known to Israeli security forces. According to police, one of the terrorists changed vehicles three times during the course of the attack, with two incidents reported at 1.34 p.m. and 1.44 p.m. on the city's Achuza and Hacharoshet streets, according to the Magen David Adom Emergency Response Organization. Police are continuing to search for possible additional threats. The critically injured victim was transported to Mayor Medical Center in Kfarsaba, where she was later pronounced dead, Rahman al Five additional victims were evacuated to the Kfarsaba Hospital in serious to moderate condition, according to medical authorities. Six others were admitted to Rabin Medical Center's Bailinson Hospital in Petah Tikva, including three victims in serious conditions. Four victims, all minors, were sent to Schneider Children's Medical Center in Petah Tikva in moderate condition, while Tel Aviv Suraski's Medical Center, the Ichilov Hospital, admitted two people with moderate wounds. The attacks, took, the attacks took place near the end of the school day, and Renata Mayor Chaim Broidi requested that residents and school children stay inside during the hour-long search for the suspects. Number 2 The final poll from a definitive pollster before the Iowa caucuses on Monday, January 15th shows former President Donald Trump way out in front of the GOP pack, with all the momentum of the day before the first voters are cast in the contest. In second place is former U.S. Ambassador to the United Nations and former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley. And down in third place is Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. The poll from Emerson College shows Trump at 55%, Haley at 21%, DeSantis at 15%, and businessman Vivek Ramaswamy at 5%, and former Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson at 2%. The survey of 562 likely caucus goers was conducted from January 11th to January 13th and has a margin of error of 4.2%. This survey comes on the heels of the final and vaunted Des Moines Register poll released on Mutzah Shabbos January 13th, which painted a similar picture of the race. In that poll, Trump was at 48%, Haley was in second at 20%, and Ron DeSantis was in third at 16%. Most Republicans and observers are expected are expecting a Trump victory on Monday night, January 15th, in the frigid state of Iowa, which has seen in re- which has seen in recent days some of the coldest winter weather in history, and is not expected to let up, with wind chills in some parts of the state reaching far below zero. Whether Trump can succeed and deliver not just a victory, but as resounding a victory as the polls suggest, is the biggest question heading into Monday. Prognosticators will be looking to see if Trump can hit majority support as well as what margin he posts over whoever takes second place. What's more, whoever comes in second is nearly as important, and what margin they trail Trump by matters too. If DeSantis, who spent months publicly predicting he would win the Iowa caucuses, comes in third, or really if he comes in at anything less than a very strong second place finish, it will be hard for him to justify continuing his campaign beyond the Hawkeye State. Pressure is already, pressure is already building up on him to drop out before votes are even cast. Number three. New York City Mayor Eric Adams is moving forward to impose a curfew on several illegal immigrant holding facilities in the day after a rise in crime and complaints about panhandling. According to a report from the New York Post, illegal immigrants who have been staying in temporary housing facilities will now have to clock in 
by 11 p.m. and remain inside until 6 a.m. in the morning. Complaints about the panhandling have occurred around large, illegal immigrant tent cities, and crime has spiked in some areas around the shelters. Anyone who's found to violate the curfew three times within 30 days will be expelled from the center. A few months ago in an interview, Mayor Adams admitted that the level of, of immigration into the city is, quote, not sustainable. Adams had been considering the idea for some time before, and according to other reports released last week, when Molly Schaefer, the director of the Mayor's Office of Asylum Seeker Operations, said in a closed-door meeting, quote, we're definitely looking into a curfew across the system. We'll get back to folks on that. Regarding allowing illegal immigrants to work nights, she added, quote, we obviously want to make sure that people have the ability to work and that it's worth giving as many, oppor as many opportunities for people to work as possible. But we're looking into it across the entire system. As reported by the New York Post, only four of the centers which hold the illegal immigrants will be under curfew as of this week. Those centers include two in Queens, the Stockton Center on Stockton Street in Brooklyn, and the Lincoln Manhattan Center in Manhattan. Migrants must apply for permits ahead of time before skipping the curfew for the exception of work, school, legal, and medical appointments. Thanks for tuning in to the Top 3 segment live on Hako Radio, and have a great day.